Welcome to Media Roots Radio. This is Abby Martin. And this is Robbie Martin. Welcome. Welcome. Um, first, we just wanted to thank everybody so much um, who has supported us through the Patreon platform so far. Um, we've had incredible, overwhelming support from our listeners, and we are so appreciative um, of the outpouring of support. And uh, right now is a really good time to, you know, support indie media on platforms off of YouTube, um, because we're going to talk about later how a lot of media platforms online now are making it hard for independent political people, not just radical political people, but any political independent commentator, journalist, um, they're slowly stripping away our ability to monetize and to make money off what we're doing. So Patreon is still a very decent platform. Um, hadn't had any problems yet with it. And um, just wanted to say thank you again. And uh, at the very end of this broadcast, we will give a shout out to everyone who has donated so far. Um, and some of you didn't use your real names uh, or aliases. So um, just listen closely just to hear your, your name if you donated or contributed through Patreon. Yeah, and we'll get into how, you know, what exactly is going on with YouTube in a second. Um, we wanted to go over some headlines. First of all, um, the the chemical weapons attack in Syria, of course, uh, another red line has been drawn in the sand. Uh, already Trump is reneging on all of the things that he talked about and promised during the campaign, talking about how we don't want to attack Assad, we don't want regime change, this whole non-interventionist BS about his uh, position working with Russia. Well, that looks like it's all flown out the window because today he gave this absurd speech, um, essentially just mirroring what Hillary Clinton would say, what Obama would say about it. Um, this is too much. When you kill kids, it's going too far. We're going to take a stand. We're going to act now. What do these things mean? Um, what's going to happen here? Um, we don't know the facts on the ground yet, but all we can say is that there is no benefit for Assad at this point, especially since he's been actually winning the war. You know, ISIS was advancing so much of Syria, and now it looks like in the last couple of months it's switched, where Assad was advancing way more and more and more with Russia's help, etc. So I just don't see what is the what is he benefiting from launching a chemical attack right now? Um, and it's a horrifying attack. Eight, I think seventy to eighty people have died. It is very awful. I'm not trying to, um, you know, make the situation, make light of the situation at all. It is just, we've been through this before. This is deja vu. And let's not it's forget not what happened rodeo. before. This is not the first rodeo before. It, there was never proof that it was Assad. In fact, you know, the day that chemical weapons inspectors were on the ground, why would Assad have launched that attack? Um, High-level government officials, including Colonel Lawrence Wilkerson, who was the who was uh, under um, Colin Powell's administration and the Bush administration even said so many people within the military not just think but know that it was actually the rebels who launched that attack back in, what, 2013? I don't even know if it was that long yeah. ago. So yeah. here we are again, Robbie. Um, what's your take on it? I mean, it's just, it's deja vu. I mean, it's it's just so interesting. And and this is this is the problem with these kinds of events. It's, it's horrifying. Um, in no way am I making any excuses for children being killed, murdered. Um, but there are some, it does raise a lot of questions when we get bombarded with this kind of imagery and these kinds of claims. 
everybody screams um, at anybody who's just asking questions. Like, how do we know for sure this was Saren? Saren? Mm -hmm. How do we know that Assad launched this Saren? How do we know, um, you know, just, just basic questions like this. Like, why would Assad, right after the U.S. is willing to bomb hundreds of civilians in one day, which is really unprecedented, even mm -hmm. the Obama administration, you know, the rules of engagement... The news has already come out, um, you know, through multiple military channels that the rules of engagement has been severely changed mm -hmm. uh, under Trump and that the same precautions for civilian casualties, which admittedly weren't good enough because civilian casualties are happening all the time. I'm against bombing campaigns, period. Um, and I hope most of our listeners are, or, and that's not a surprise for them to hear that. But like, if the U.S. is willing to like, bomb the shit out of civilians in Syria all of a sudden, why would, what, what impetus, what motivation would Assad have to launch a chemical weapons attack, which is something that the world consensus has determined is like too, you know, too far. Like nobody is like the UN and other world bodies, other international bodies have, have made it so that chemical weapons are illegal to use. Um, yet he has done it again. Like right at this possible tipping point when the Trump administration is already telegraphing that Assad can stay. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. Right Tillerson, when that report came Tillerson out. Tillerson literally yeah, just said yep, that. Exactly. He just said that we're going to have to work with just a, a Syria with Assad in power. And that was like a yeah, big, so I'm sorry. big defeat for all the think tanks. And now this happens. Yeah. So, I mean... To anyone out there who's like, you're an Assad apologist, you're a Russia apologist, it's like, fuck off, man. Like, this is just basic, just basic skepticism and questioning. Right, like, exactly. It's like, why don't we take a step back before we invade and bomb more of the country? Like, like yeah, that's what it's it is. Like, it's not just you're immediately taking the Russia line. It's like you're immediately just questioning the impetus for another bombing campaign, another, I don't know how many more hundreds of troops on the ground to deal with whatever, mm -hmm. or thousands. I mean, good God, this could turn into a full-fledged invasion. And, and don't forget that Seymour Hirsch um, wasn't able to get a giant expose, extremely detailed expose from many insider sources that he had trusted sources about the chemical weapons attack originally that happened a few years ago, I think a couple or a few years ago. Um, and he wrote about how it was an Assad and how the rebels did it. Um, and he was called a conspiracy to to theorist. This is the guy who broke My Lai massacre in Vietnam. He's the one who yeah, broke the Abu Ghraib yeah. torture scandal. Yeah. Um, and yet, when Mike Flynn was was thrown under the bus and when he was sort of raked over the coals for being a crazy conspiracy theorist, it wasn't the media didn't mention how he'd believed in Pizzagate. The media didn't seem to give a shit that he thought that Islam was a secret. The entire world of Islam was a secret sleeper cell. He thinks like all 1.5 <laughs> billion Muslims are a sleeper cell. <laughs> the media didn't seem to care about that. But what conspiracy theory, quote unquote, did they point out of his as why he should, shouldn't be allowed in? It was because he d did not believe that Assad no launched chemical way. weapons on his own people. No way. See, and they that, tried to tie it into him dude. being, con you know, um, influenced by RT and dude, Russian that's so propaganda. Crazy. That's so crazy because he is in the military world. Isn't that funny that like a lot of military people actually don't think that because it, because why do you think that is? Because they probably had intelligence from the inside that, that gave them a he reason to think that. worked under Obama. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so it, it is really shocking how, and it's, and it's like, 
and I know I don't mean to like compare the death toll, but this is like way more a smaller incident than what happened the the last time, like in terms of chemical weapons. Yeah, and, this and there is, have been mm-hmm. go on. And I was just going to say there have been, and this is not just us speculating. You know that because Assad would have no reason to do something this dumb. It's that the rebels have been launching their own chemical weapons attacks, various rebel groups, and it's all documented. This is not like, and that's not speculation. We already know that ISIS um, and different uh, groups operating in Syria have access to things like mustard gas-like chemicals, lower-grade chemical weapons than sarin. But that's another weird aspect of this, Abby, is I was even watching a pro-Syrian intervention documentary that was just like heartstrings after heartstring tugging scene after another of like real death footage of civilians in Syria. Yeah. being bombarded by Assad's forces. And the part about the chemical weapons attack, I had to rewind it and pause it and sort of be like, wait, did I really just hear what I heard? In this documentary that is the most anti-Assad, pro-Syrian intervention documentary I've ever seen, they even admit in it that they do not have any proof that it was sarin used the first time either. Really? So they don't even, so they don't even know. They had to actually say that in the movie. That it was they, they they couldn't prove it, but they're like sure of it. I mean, it's possible sarin was used, but at the same time, sarin implies a higher level of like sophistication that probably came from a government rather than like a mercenary force. So it's it's easy to point the finger at someone like Assad if they know for sure sarin is used. However, we don't know that, and even in this instance, they're already like throwing out all these weird. It's, to me, fake-sounding talking points that are just over the top where they say that barrel bombs fell from the sky that were sarin canisters instead of, like, regular barrel bombs. Like, does that... I mean, am I crazy for thinking that sounds a little bit unbelievable? Well, well, this is... I mean, Russia is <laughs> claiming that... Um, and I'm just putting this out there because it's extremely important to know what, I, what people are saying instead of watching CNN and watching Van Jones crying about how presidential Trump is, Okay. Um, because people are already saying this is his finest moment. First, his finest moment, his presidential turning point was when he was with the widow of the Navy SEAL he murdered from sending him into that botched-ass raid in Yemen. Mm -hmm. That was the first presidential moment when CNN commentators were sobbing about how great of a president he was. This is the second one. So as soon as a president starts to engage in warfare, that's when he becomes super presidential and really, really um, honored by all of these people on the media. So... The op- Oh, so this is what the Russian defense ministry is saying. They're saying that um, there were airstrikes against the rebel-held territories. What they're saying is ISIS. It struck a warehouse that they claim was used to produce like a sarin production factory or some sort of chemical weapons production factory containing toxic gas, um, yeah, which were allegedly being sent to Iraq. So that's their claim. Um, again, um, the OPCW, which is the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons, you know, they have been making sure that Assad has eradicated his chemical weapons f- facilities, just like Saddam. Remember when we went in to find mm-hmm. WMDs, th- there were no WMDs because they had already been eradicated under this international treaty or whatever, because this has been going on for a long time. Back in 2013, Obama tried to use military intervention against Syria because of the exact same thing. So, of course, but, during that time, they have Assad has totally eradicated his chemical weapons um, stockpiles. They even said that 95% that they can corroborate, and this is like a UN agency, essentially, um, has well, have been we removed. Should, 
and we should post that link because that's really important because one of the things the neocons and a lot of these other liberal interventions and interventionists have been pushing this whole time is that this was the moment when Obama became completely weak and caved to an agreement that was never fulfilled. They claim that there was never any agreement actually made to remove the chemical weapons and that it was all the ruse and that Obama just like didn't do anything. That's basically what the neocons have been saying Mm -hmm. this whole time. So this run, what you just said runs completely counter to that, that there was actually like a system in place to remove chemical weapons from Assad Um, which was the promise that was made. That was the agreement that was struck. Um, So people out there should research that on their own. Um, We'll provide links for it. But it's like these are the dueling narratives. They say that the right-wing conspiracy movement has their own alternate reality, but the neocons and the liberal interventionists do too. It's like to them, there was never any like effort to remove chemical weapons. So it's just you're dealing with literally two different realities here. Um, Yep. Yeah, so just, and just I, yeah, and, and of course, all these people are just, um, you know, crocodile tears for Syrian children, which, of course, you should cry for these children who are being used as pawns in this geopolitical chess game be- between superpowers. Also have tears for Yemeni children. Also have tears for the children in Gaza and all, and, and Mosul, for God's sake. Like you just said, Trump lifted the rules of engagement I, I don't even know, like, I can't even wrap my mind around how many people have been slaughtered um, in my goddamn name with my tax dollars, 230 fucking people just in the last couple of weeks and one bombing. He basically carpet bombed, authorized the carpet bombing of a neighborhood to, I yeah. think, almost cap, like, because there was an ISIS sniper in the area. So what do they do? Carpet bomb the whole neighborhood, kill almost and 300 is- civilians. As a result, and this is how this is how sad it becomes when you carry water for a president of the United States who already said that he's going to bomb the shit out of places. Is now people? I've seen people on RT International. Um, I won't call them out by name unless they keep acting like fucking asses. But um, I saw someone like basically claiming that the reason all these civilian casualties happen is because ISIS forces people to be used as human shields. And I was just like, Are you fucking kidding me? You're pulling that talking point out again? Like we already we already went what? through this whole thing with the Iraq war, with the five day war in Gaza. It's the same bullshit, dude. Oh, that's what Bush said when he came out preemptively before the Iraq invasion. He said, just so you know, massive amount of civilians are gonna die. Why? Because Saddam is gonna use human shields. Yeah. It's only Muslims. Um, it's just so funny the way they do this. It's like, Holy. oh no, the reason why we bomb hospitals is because ISIS is using it for like as part of the battlefield. The reason why we bomb mosques is because they're storing weapons there. I even have a scene of Dan Senor oh, Israeli talking saying that they're going to start blowing nice. up mosques cool. because they store weapons there. Nice. I mean, this is so. This is just the oldest ass talking point, and now these like more right wing, you know, conspiracy type people and like people who you know, appear on RT or pulling out this talking point that fucking is like Hasbara, like Benjamin Netanyahu bullshit. Oh, 100%. It's just like, do you really expect anti-imperialist people to believe your bullshit? Can you believe if if Netanyahu came out and said, sorry, we just massacred 300 Israelis because Hamas was using them as human shields. Like, will these same people, what will they say about that? Don't fall for this shit, man. This is nuts. I know, it's... And I mean, 
and I mean, I'm sure on, 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 there's been some instances of ISIS and other, any other group using people as human shields at various points. I'm sure you can find examples of that. But to say that 200, to say that a massive amount of civilian casualties in a bombing raid happen because they were using them as human shields, I mean, that just doesn't make well, sense. Well, guess what? That's why you don't carpet bomb areas. It doesn't matter who's using what is a goddamn human shield. You do not bomb neighborhoods, especially, and this is the most sad part of all, is that Iraqi government officials, of course, just an interim uh, like puppet government, you know, that we're, we're essentially working with here, that told these people in Mosul, do not leave your home. Don't leave the shelters. Don't leave your home during the operation. Don't leave. So God knows how many more people were, and, and this is even separate than even just this 230 people totally obliterated in one bombing campaign. This is just like ongoing, the massive amount of civilians who are dying because they're being told like, stay in your homes. Um, it, 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 it's so disturbing what is going on there. And people, and you know, I posted this and the comments are just so horrific. Like people being like, well, it's Iraq. What do you expect? It's like, and who did this to Iraq? Who did this to Iraq? You think you want to just absolve yourself of responsibility because it's been 15 years? You think that that's okay it's to so just strange. step away from it and be like, let's focus on London? Oh, Iraq's just a war zone. It's always going to be a war zone. Oh, uh, I mean, 230 people die. Do, I keep bringing back to this point, like when I see people tweeting about being okay with bombing ISIS, it's like literally all ISIS had to do like, I don't even think if they captured all that territory, they would have been able to get people to dehumanize the population of Iraq and Syria to this point. It's because they make those crazy fucking videos all the time. I think that people, it's just like, it's, it, it really messed with people's heads. I really think people here got more terrorized from those videos yeah. than like pr probably any other terrorist attack since 9-11, really. Right. Like, that's what's manipulating people on this level where it's now like yeah that whole area is like fucking it's just a mess now like it's never going to be you know fixed like we might as well just like bomb the shit out of it i mean it's 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 so really sad it kind of reminds me the way that we've always not we but the way that most people have always felt about afghanistan it was never really a concern we don't really care much for the people of afghanistan because to us they're like you know they're like uncivilized they you know they're like nomad some of them are nomadic yeah, yeah. They, they live in these, you know, they don't have electricity and running water a lot of the time. I think it's very difficult for people in the West, especially in America, to, to like, care about those people in the same way they cared about Iraq being invaded. Um, which is really, is really sad horrible. A commentary on the way that we, we value human life. It shouldn't matter how sophisticated, you know, like, the technology is or anything like that. But it's, I feel like we're almost at that point now the level of dehumanization towards Afghanistan and like Iraq. It's like, they're at the same level now. It's like, Oh fuck it. They're just like, yeah, so and, fucked and up. speaking of that, the level of dehumanization toward Russia too. I mean, goddamn, Russia just had a terror attack. 10 people died. Did I, I honestly did not see people even touch upon this on the media. Yes. It was like a story for a second. I mean, there was no lighting up the Eiffel tower, um, you know, the London uh, parliament, I mean, nothing in memorabilia or, or homage to Russia at all for their terrorism whatsoever. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, well, no building Putin of solidarity, it, no, no building to solidarity at all. Like they do with Europeans. Why? Oh, cause I guess Putin did that. Huh? Yeah. Right uh, away. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, the, all the same people who basically think anyone who questions 9-11 is a complete psychopath lunatic are immediately jumping to the conclusion that this is a false flag attack launched by Putin to distract away from what? Yeah, to distract to away from what? Exactly? And it's like, dude, What's we can't motive? build solidarity with, with victims of terrorism and the war on yeah. terror? Wow. No one's, no one's stopping Putin from already bombing the shit out of Syria. Right. It's not like he needs more political capital to right. do that. So why would he stage this? It doesn't even make logical sense. Like it makes, it makes way more sense when you look back at the apartment yep. building bombing yep. conspiracies. Because yep. that links directly to the war in Chechnya. I don't, it doesn't make sense to me what this is about. Well, it doesn't make sense at um, all. And there's so many liberal left commentators, neoconservative. I mean, everyone, everyone under the sun has gone out there mm -hmm. within minutes, hours of this horrific tragedy to say it was a false flag engineered attack by Vladimir Putin to do something. Yeah. So that, that's the level of discourse that we're at right now. Total dehumanization of Russia, total Russia phobia. Putin is staging everything. And of course, this is coming on the heels of that mass protest in Russia where, you know, 10,000 people were protesting. Huge protests, yeah. valid. Um, at the same time, I think either a day before or the same day, there was like a million people protesting in Yemen against the Saudi bombing campaign. Not a peep. Not a peep. Can you imagine? I mean, the, the photos are insane. It looks just like a wave, like just like, it looks like war, um, World War Z. It's just like a wave of just, looks like millions of people taking over the entire country, but not a peep. <laughs> Wonder why. No, and, and uh, it, yeah, it's just really strange how if you just go back maybe four years ago, how much more like plugged in the American people were to just how fucked up the things we did yeah were. exactly like the united states was doing the united states was known for cyber espionage stuxnet the united states was known for working with the Mossad and assassinating nuclear scientists with car bombs like the the united states was known for that the united states was known for mass surveillance and spying and now it's just like rush everything's russia like, we've just forgotten about all these horrible things we did. Yeah, because now it's, like, open. not trendy anymore. It's, like, not cool to be talking about how criminal the enterprise of our government is. Like, how cruel the empire is. Now it's just, like, oh, that's old news, baby. Yeah, it's, like, the last gasp last gasp of nationalism. This, like, yeah, desperate form, like, desperate means to cling on to nationalism on both sides of the generic political spectrum. Mm -hmm. You have the alt-right being these like nationalistic, like, you know, assholes. And then you have the Democrats and a lot of people like who are liberal being so nationalistic. They think that um, Russia is now the evil empire and America is like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, right. I mean, that, that's, that's weird. I mean, even if they think that that's pretty nationalistic compared to the way they were thinking four or five years ago. Um, so we're, we're in a dire place still. Uh, yeah. So yeah. And every time the media you know, I just, I just actually watched this amazing Chomsky interview, and I'm going to say before I get into it how Chomsky, of all people, has been poo-pooing like everything from JFK to 9-11 to basically everything. But of course, now under Trump, all the gloves are off for everyone. So even Chomsky said that Trump could stage a false flag attack 
That wasn't the crazy thing to me. What was crazy is seeing media validate him and run with it as if that's a completely normal talking point in this day and age where it's like, yeah, of course, like Trump is going to engineer a false flag and kill American citizens to install martial law. It was like, whoa. So it's like, yes, it is very weird that Chomsky finally is like entertaining this notion, but it's also crazier that publications that smeared the hell out of me and basically ruined people's careers over even bringing up the notion that false flags are a real thing in, pa- in the past. Um, everything from the Gulf of Tonkin, like literally every single thing that has been some sort of impetus to warfare has been either uh, provoked, um, incited, uh, manufactured, you know, all those things that we talked about in the last podcast. But it was really surprising. And I want to see what you think to see the media validate this and run with it. Well, it's, I mean, I guess on one level, it's like, exciting but then in another it's very disappointing and Mm -hmm. it's like it's not like except for chomsky who has like a really i most and a worldview that i mostly agree with and that's like very aware of what's going on even though he doesn't seem to be that aware of the anthrax attacks because the one of the initial reasons why he said why he doesn't subscribe to any form of 9-11 truth at all is because he doesn't. He didn't understand why the Bush administration would have needed 9/11 to get into Iraq, and he kept talking about it that way. And the whole time he was talking about it, I was like, well, "Where, where are you going to fit in anthrax here?" Because anyone who studied that knows that that was the linchpin that they used to go from 9/11 to Iraq. They had anthrax in the middle. They it wasn't it, with with just 9/11. And you and I have talked about this before. They probably wouldn't have been able to get everybody to go along with Iraq. Um, I think anthrax is almost a requirement. Um, 9-11 would have gotten us into Afghanistan, I think, fairly easily. Um, but yeah, but Chomsky's, uh, I mean, and he's also said that it took vast energies away from the left, this sort of more, you know, what he thought was an obsessive bent of looking at 9-11. But at the same time, like he didn't, he just wouldn't acknowledge the obviousness that of course there's, they're lying to us about aspects of 9-11. They tried desperately to cover it up, um, not only destroyed evidence from the actual crime scene, but then when the commission came up, the investigation into it, they tried to fix the the investigation and pretty much succeeded. So I was just noticing, you know, the last couple of weeks, how, you know, at the same, at the same time, people are like, yeah, Trump is going to launch a false flag. And you're like, oh, wow, you're saying that now? You never thought anything like that before. At the same time, people are saying that they're all, they're like making it seem like Devin Nunes is like the biggest criminal you know, cover up or in chief, like in government right now, because he's, you know, obviously working as like a proxy to help Trump, you know, in this mm-hmm. investigation process, which is laughable because I don't even remember Philip Zelikow's name coming up in the media at all during the 9-11 commission. And he literally was getting instructions from Karl Rove. And he was a neocon that went back with Condoleezza Rice. They co-wrote, they wrote a book together and it's okay for him to run the commission and to like omit things and stuff like that. It's just so bizarre to me, the double standard. I know I mean, the double standard is so frustrating because I'm just right in the middle. It's like, I hate all the Democrats right now and I hate all the alt-right. It's like, what, Jesus, it's like, what is going on right now? Yeah. And that's so the quote unquote truth movement has been hijacked oh, by, God. you know, the Patriot movement first and then the alt-right now acts like they're truthers yet. It's like all I mean, the worst conspiracies have gone mainstream, which is just such a bizarre reality to be living in. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, that's... And I think that 
now is a good time to you know remind people about how many egregious th- things happened during the Bush administration in regards to 9-11. Um, but I mean, most people aren't going to care. They're not going to listen. Um, people like Chomsky um, have, are mostly reacting against what they perceive as like the 9-11 conspiracy consensus. Like that the, you know, if you, if you subscribe to all these theories, you know, like remote controlled planes, and the, you know, a missile hit the Pentagon, yeah, it's all, the all these things. the craziest things that these people just associate with questioning anything, you know? Yeah. Um, and even if you want to mm. like, even if you think something's strange about something like the Pentagon, I mean, yeah, it's definitely strange, but it's, it's like, if you can't prove it and you can't, provide a new analysis of why you think it, it does become kind of just a useless mantra to yell things or to say certain things to try to get people's attention. And I can understand why someone like Chomsky, you know, is reacting to that kind of stuff. But at the same time, like you got to acknowledge reality because it's not, this isn't like 9-11 conspiracy theorists versus, you know, reasonable people. There's a huge amount of, um, there's a spectrum I mean, yeah, and there's people all over the world, world leaders, uh, you know, professionals from from all walks of life who who absolutely have valid questions about that. And we're not talking about anything kooky or crazy. This is all things that congressmen have, you know, raised questions about, like even officials within the government were raising questions about Hillary Clinton herself. So all these things are on record that you can go back and and look at. And, and, And I and, you know, in the Democracy Now! interview of Chomsky, it was like an hour and a half, and it was absolutely f- phenomenal. And she asks him about that again. She was like, because she's like taking questions from the audience or whatever, and she was like, what did you mean by that? Like, what? And he was like, well, my words definitely got blown up. He was like, it was a really sensational headline. So I think that he he probably wasn't like really coming out and being like, I changed my mind. Like, now I think that the, you know, I'm sure it was just mostly like people picking up on a more innocuous comment. The weirder thing to me was seeing like it just completely picked up and, and run with like Buzzfeed and stuff as if it's just a normal thing. Like, Oh, now that Chomsky says it, it's totally valid. You know, it's just nuts. But in this interview it was so good. Everyone should check it out because he talks about everything from the history of North Korea, um, the, the Korean war, what the U S military did kind of what I was bringing up in the last episode, except he goes much more into it and the artillery capabilities of North Korea right now, how it's it's not a joke. Um, it's kind of like Iran. Like if you want to fuck with North Korea, there's going to be massive casualties. Like it is going to be a full fledged war, and a lot of people are going to die. And they are completely prepared. That's what they've been preparing for for a long, long time. Um, but just talking about what the Korean people lived through and and what the U.S. did to that country is is devastating. And he talks about everything from Russia phobia to. But his main point, and that's how I got started on this kick, was talking about the media and. The media's obsession with Russia is so disturbing, and it really is this disturbing, shattering commentary on just contemporary civilization, was his exact quote. Because it's like there's so many dire things that are urgent and pressing. Climate change, North Korea, all of these war fronts that we're tiptoeing towards, like, that could you know, escalate any second. It's like a a razor thin margin between peace and war with so many situations right now. And the fact that the media is just lockstep about Russia is so disturbing and eerie. And it really does remind me, but for a different reason, like of the time of the media selling the Iraq war, it's like now they're all selling the Russia stuff. Meanwhile, there's all these wars imminent and it is extremely Mm -hmm. terrifying. And, 
at first it seemed like maybe Trump was going to step back from the world stage a little bit, you know, even if it was completely out of selfish nationalistic reasons, like economic nationalism, you know, like pulling out of NATO and all that shit. But now it just seems like the it's completely, if there was any question before that Trump was, you know, not, you know, uh, he, he was, he was not committing and dub, you know, like actually following through on his campaign promises about foreign policy. Right now he is definitely making a U-turn. I mean, he's already, um, you know, I mean, not even just on the aggressive fronts. I mean, just like resetting things back to the status quo with Syria, for example. I mean, it wasn't just him who went out and condemned the Assad gas attack today. It was Nikki Haley. It was all his children. So it was like a weird PR blast to get this talking point back out there. The same, pretty much the exact same talking point that Obama put out there. Except now we know that for someone like Trump to back down like Obama did, it's virtually impossible. That, yeah, exactly. that Can you imagine if Trump was like, you know what? Maybe I've been suckered into this, or maybe I've been pushed into this too fast. I'm going to back away from this. He's he's not the type of person to do that. He's probably going to, you know, want to act tough. So, I mean, uh, oh, and then one of the scary things was Institute for the Study of War was retweeting uh, Ivanka Trump talking about Assad today. And I was Whoa. just like, wow, that's that's huge. That's pretty big. I mean... You know, maybe to people listening, that doesn't sound like a big deal, but the Institute for the Study of War is one of the most, I'd say, sort of operating in the shadows, but influ most influential think tanks in D.C. Um, they're not overtly anti-Trump, but they're very pro-overthrowing Assad. They're very in line with the neo, you know, neoconservative sort of um, military agenda. It's it's Kim and uh, Kim Kagan's think tank, and now they're promoting uh, Trump's message for the first time ever in terms of foreign policy. So this is definitely an open door for the neocons to come back in. And what's hilarious is even Alex Jones and other right wingers like Matt Drudge and, and Michael Savage are even backing away a little bit from Trump. Like they're kind of slightly detaching themselves now. But Alex Jones is continuing to act like it's just all these, somehow all these neocons are now in his administration making him do these things. Like they made him get rid of Bannon because Bannon just left the National Security Yeah, I guess Council who he was today. replaced with. Who? Rick Perry. No shit. Wait, Rick Perry, the, so wait, Rick Perry's now no longer in charge of our nuclear, uh, our, the Department of Energy? Yeah, apparently he's, uh, <laughs> apparently he got he got uh promoted he got promoted from dancing with the stars to now running the energy department the department he couldn't even name and now he's on the nsc baby good for rick perry who wants a position in government you like just anyone i'm surprised he didn't actually pick more celebrities just to like I really, he just got oh completely God. derailed. Like all these people were like, oh, is he going to pick like liberals and what kind of cabinet is he going to put together? Well, so far it's just a bunch of psychotic cretins and evangelical Christians. Great job. Yeah. Which is not appealing to really anyone. Like even people on the right, like nobody knows who these people are. They're fairly obscure. Um, and what's really funny is uh, I recommend everybody ch check out this Matt Drudge appearance on the Michael Savage show from a few days ago. Uh, because, my, first of all, Matt Drudge barely ever does any media appearances. He went on, like, the Alex Jones show maybe a year and a half ago. 
And that was the last time he talked to the press. Um, and this time he's saying that basically Trump needs to get his charisma back and he needs to like plug back into the sort of reality TV show personality power that he used to have more. Um, and then that's what's missing the most from the Trump administration right now. Wow. He wants, basically he wants him to stop doing all these tokenistic like stops with veterans and all this stuff and, and like go into hiding for a while, come back and get like a celebrity makeover, like kind of like thing. And he was talking on and on about how when he went on the Oprah show in the 80s, he melted Oprah's heart and the audience's heart and all this stuff. And I was just thinking, this is just so fucking what off the, the wall. But at the same time, it's like savvy because maybe that's Matt. And on some level, Matt Drudge realizes that that's really all that matters is just like yeah. charisma, appearance. That's what that's how what propelled Trump in the first place. You know, it wasn't his governing. So, yeah. But it's just weird to hear it kind of just out in, the, out in the open like that. He's just like, this is what I want to see Trump do. And I was just like, wow, that's, you're not talking about any actual issues at all. Yeah, I know. I love how, like, looking back <laughs> on it, it makes so much sense. It's like, why did Trump win? Because he's a f- reality star. What cut? Co- we, we birthed yeah. reality shows. This is like one of the biggest reality stars star in the world. That. Yeah. It's like, we're it was a like a re- He wasn't a reality obsessed. show star, but he was like, you know, he had like movie cameos. Yeah, he was on like David country. Letterman all the time in the eighties. This is America. On Howard Stern. Mm-hmm. So don't be shocked. I mean, it's it's the, it's the country that loathes government and politicians, but loves celebrities. So when you put those two things together, a lot of bad things can happen. Um, and you know, giving carte blanche to all these people in his cabinet to just do whatever the hell they want. Rex Tillerson is such an ass. Um, the, the CEO of ExxonMobil, you know, lifting all those, all, all the, um, the mirage of like any sort of separation. Of course, we have Exxon running, running the State Department, running foreign policy. Not only has he already threatened Venezuela, he's also lifted human rights conditions um, to sell arms to Bahrain which is really amazing. I mean, yes, this was always kind of like a facade too because we're really close allies with Bahrain. We never really cared when they were crushing their uprising of the Arab Spring. Um, but it is just, the pretenses are lifted now. Like now we're just openly, no no qualms at all about human rights, selling the weapons to Bahrain in conjunction with Saudi Arabia. Um, so that's happening. Um, and just the whole thing about North Korea. I mean, uh, you have this here uh, about what Rex Tillerson is doing in North Korea, just really, really bellicose rhetoric uh, ramping up. And, you know, people are every day, people are like, what is, what is Trump going to do? How is he going to react to North Korea? I mean, it's just nuts. And, and they're not even asking it like the mainstream media, when they're asking that they're not asking it in a way uh, with alarm or with like worry that we shouldn't be doing this. They're like encouraging it almost. I mean, isn't that the sense you get that the mainstream media is like actually not worried about this is like they actually want Trump to somehow like manage this. So if he's such an incompetent, crazy blowhard every other time, according to them, somehow they think he's not during this or that like that's okay for him to do this. Like it it really is really bizarre. Did you want to read what Rex Tillerson said about North Korea in this doc? I'm looking at it now. Oh yeah, where it's just yeah, like a that. yeah. So literally, this is um, and this is from a CNN report. I mean, CNN was saying that there was only twenty three words in the official statement <laughs> after basically they said North Korea's time is up. 
Um, the actual official statement from Rex Tillerson is, quote, North Korea launched yet another intermediate range ballistic missile. The United States has spoken enough about North Korea. We have no further comment. That's Great literally comment. the official statement. That wasn't just like him talking to a, a journalist outside of his office or something. Um, so what do you think, Abby? Do you think this is actually Trump following through on another weird campaign promise that people probably forgot about where it's like, I'm not going to tell you what I'm, what I'm going to do. I'm not one of these people who's, who's like, here's what I'm going to do. I mean, that's what <laughs> Trump used to say. Yeah, no, I like think, he's going to yeah. just surprise us with a what? Well, yeah, no. And what does this even mean? Th- when you look at the, the history of at least like trying to build some sort of a deal with North Korea in the last 20 years, like as, as horrible as Bill Clinton is um, and was as a president, he did try to deter like some sort of nuclear capabilities with, with uh, some agreement with North Korea, right? So when Bush got into office, his immediate axis of evil insanity, what, what did North Korea do? Ramped up nuclear weapons capabilities, started preparing for war. Because that's what you do when the U.S. empire has you in their crosshairs. So that's when North Korea really started ramping it up again, when Bush came into office. And then when Obama came into office, kind of, you know, derailed that rhetoric a little bit. North Korea, again, wasn't our enemy priority. And then Trump building up to his campaign and and presidency, again, we see the same thing. That's when North Korea is testing the missiles again, um, coming out full floors because they know that this is a real possibility here. And, and it's not even North Korea, Robbie, it's China. Um, you know, Bannon has already said that we are, this is a direct quote, that we are going to war in the South China Sea in the next five to 10 years. And that was like, I don't know, a year ago. So the time's running up for that, for him to fulfill his wet dream of going to war with China. Um, Trump probably, Trump's obsessed with China. There's like a great montage of him, just how many times he says, China, China. He loves saying China. Um, you know, you, you would think that it's because he likes to do business there, but really he probably hates this, this whole economic nationalism thing. Like it's really a stick up their ass that China basically owns the debt of the U S so potentially they could go to war just to try to eradicate the debt. You don't know what these people are capable of. Um, but, but this is all the media is saying China is becoming really adversarial. They're building up their military presence. Of course, all the deflection of what we already have done, right? Just like the Russia stuff, Russia's eating up all their neighbors. They're, they're building up their military. Well, we're actually surrounding Russia um, with NATO bases and troops, 100%, and the same with China. China is largely has this completed major construction of military infrastructure on these artificial islands it's built, and it's basically setting up to deploy combat planes. Just like every country, every giant superpower um, has a military um, they prepare for naval exercises and stuff. So this is what the U.S. is hysterically freaking out about, that China is performing military exercises on these islands and stuff. Meanwhile, we own all these bases around the area. Meanwhile, the U.S. forces already in the region taking part in joint drills with South Korea for months and months and months, um, sailing its, its powerful warships all throughout the South China Sea, three months at a time, all these joint drills, Navy SEALs, Army Rangers. So, And that's not even to mention Japan. Um, so again, this is the whole rhetoric that you hear, like China is becoming more of an aggressor and what are we going to do about China? Meanwhile, you know, what are we doing to China? And then you have Alex Jones, a really bizarre thing that I just saw today where he's screaming that we need to preemptively nuke China, that now we're at the point where we need to preemptively drop a nuclear weapon on China. Alex Jones. 
So um, I don't know what's yeah, going on, I mean, man. This is basically what happens when you attach yourself to like an administration that's just batshit crazy. Um, I mean, we knew that Alex Jones was going to carry water for Trump, but we thought that, you know, that he maybe would be smart and try to keep his brand status because InfoWars is a pretty big brand now. Um, but it looks like he's decided to ruin his brand credibility forever and actually defend everything Trump does. Um, it's already been, almost, what is it, 50 days now or more yeah. into his administration. Um, and yeah, I didn't think Alex Jones could get there, but now, yeah, he's actually he advocating for preemptive strikes on North Korea, um, attacks on China. He's constantly talking about China now. Um like he's just terrified of China. Um, it's just, it's yeah, it's really disturbing. Uh, and and um, yeah, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just gonna say, and all of this again, um, not all of the, what we just talked about, but the Russia stuff again. I wanted to go back to the Russia stuff because the media incessantly covering Russia, somehow thinking that this is a, a good strategy. I can't believe we're still talking about this, Robbie. This has been going on for years, and it just seems like it's getting worse. But, but when they're constantly covering this, this Russia stuff, they miss the boat on every single thing. He, I mean, can you imagine turning on CNN or even like the Young Turks and like other, other outlets? I feel like I, I, I'm, it's really hard to even find out what is Trump doing on a daily basis. I want to know what executive orders he's signing, what is going on. I, can we stop talking about this goddamn Russia stuff for one second and realize what the hell is Trump doing? on a day-to-day basis because it's really hard to find out because he's doing so much stuff. He's ramming through all this legislation and it's, and all these people could fucking talk about is Russia. What are they doing, Robbie? How don't they see that this is not a way to build any sort of legitimate resistance to Trump at all. It's just giving him more leverage and get, and making him seem more correct for God's sake. We just found out that, that he probably was being wiretapped just like we said, (laughs) I feel like a, this is maybe going to sound a little, you know, a little conspiratorial what I'm about to suggest, but I really do think part of what's going on is a similar, it ha, it really does serve a similar purpose that it did serve during the Cold War, where it's people who are on the far left and who are, um, you know, anti-capitalism, who are uh, socialist, are basically like just it's it's designed to marginalize them mm-hmm. and at you know and in one form it's meant to say that they're somehow useful idiots for russia that they're being inf- influenced by putin you know just like people would say that um during the actual cold war and mccarthyism that people who were on the left were somehow communists that leftists you know were just communists or secret communist mm-hmm. spies or whatever um it's literally almost at that level now, except there is no such thing as Russia being communist and us being, you know, capitalist and anti-communist now. Like we're, it's just, so it really doesn't make sense, but they're still trying to use it the same way. Now they're actually saying Bernie bros were actually, a lot of those were Russian bots now. Yeah. As yeah, a new yeah. narrative being Amazing. put out. And it's like, wow. So literally anybody who disagreed with Hillary Clinton um, is either an alt-right Trump supporter or they're people on the left who got fooled by Putin and were somehow right. tricked by Russia or they're actually like working for Russia or something. Um, so I think part of what's going on here is it's meant to 
um, at first it seemed like the Democratic Party was going along with sort of the energy about like stopping the Muslim ban and those kinds mm-hmm. of things. But I feel like the reason they stopped doing that and they and they went back to just Russia, Russia, Russia is because doing that is actually opening the door to like far, you know, more far left yeah. populism. Right. They had to close that door really fucking yep, quick. Yep. Just like got too the hot. sheepdog door effect got too they hot. wanted to create. Yeah, they wanted to create a sheepdog effect with Bernie Sanders. They probably were like, they, I'm sure there were some people who wanted to destroy the shit out of him way more yeah. like, corruptly than they actually did. But on some level, letting a little pressure valve open and letting that, you know, Bernie Sanders sort of drum up that populism at least gives people some catharsis. Totally. So, like, the guy from Google was at one of those anti-Muslim ban protests at the airport. One of the the founders of Google, one of the Sergey brothers or whatever. Um, so that just goes to show you that, I mean, and I don't know if I'm right about this, but I do think they are very afraid, way more than they are about Russia, because we know that a lot of that's cynical and phony. They're way more afraid of the left having a strong megaphone in this country. Absolutely. Like the actual left. Right. The populist left. Right. And for people um, who that's are, the real yeah. danger here to the establishment. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're totally right. I mean, that's exactly what it is. I, I, I just keep asking rhetorically because it still is so hard for me to accept that they literally would allow Trump to do all of this stuff because they're so afraid of an actual populism taking over. Like that's, it's just so hard for me to actually accept that, but you're absolutely right. That is exactly what's happening. I wanted to call everyone's attention to this one article that I will put on the timeline. Also, it's called Trump's pseudo populist mask falls away on liberation news. And it's, um, the reason that I like it is because it breaks down exactly what I'm saying. Like all the things that he's done on every front, like here's the war and militarism front. Here's his, like the whole budget and breaks down everything that the budget does and all the things that he's going to do with it and really shows you how none of it helps anyone other than his billionaire friends um, and defense contractors. But like we were saying before, all of this, all drumming up the Russia hysteria totally obfuscates what's going on on a day-to-day basis. What is happening domestically? I know it's a lot. Um, I tried to do a little bit of research before this just to kind of get myself up to speed, and and it's so overwhelming, but I'll try to go over a couple of them. Um, in case people weren't paying attention. I mean, he revoked the Obama-era executive order, basically requiring federal contractors to um, discriminate on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. So Obama put in these like kind of measures to say you can't discriminate against people who are trans or like, you know, gender binary or whatever. And, um, and so, yeah, Trump removed that. He also withdrew the federal guidance um, requiring giving transgender students the rights to use restrooms to match their gender. So even though that might not mean a lot to people, like it is just insane that he actually reversed that. It's like, like who is that even hurting? It just like makes no sense that, that Trump would actually take time to reverse these transgender like protections for people who are trans. So that's really insane just catering to the alt-right. It's like, okay, they're in power now, so now it's time to make fun of the people in power. Ha ha. I don't know. Yeah, the people, I mean, that's the problem. It's like this whole notion that counterculture is now conservative or whatever, <laughs> like Paul Joseph Watson uh, says, you know, um, it's people have gotten it into their heads that, you know, everything on the left is, you know, somehow associated with like, 
you know, more of the extreme ends of like PC culture, uh, which is, you know, we know that's bullshit, but for some, some reason the alt-right has been able to build up this idea that that's, you know, what, what defines the left. Um, so even though, yeah, like you, you pointed out and Julian Assange promoting Paul Joseph Watson was extremely strange. I don't, I hope he's okay in that embassy mentally. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, basically promoting this idea, this notion that conservatism, the ideology that's reigning the entire corporatocracy, reigning the U.S. empire, is the counterculture. That's the manufactured um, fantasy that these people are living in, and people fucking glom onto it because they're um, really just unintelligent, I guess, or just uncult. Like, have you never been out in the real world? Do you understand what that means? Like. Obviously, corporations are not left. Like, obviously, Christian evangelicals being in the highest seat of the entire world is not a like a left thing or liberal. And like when I when I pointed that out, how Christian evangelicals are actually running the U.S. empire, and every corporate CEO is like a conservative old man. Um, people were like, "Oh, dude, like that was ten years ago. Like, wake up! It's 2017." It's like, yeah, I'm talking about 2017. You ass. Our vice president is way more evangelical, crazy Christian than anybody was in the Bush administration. Yeah, Betsy DeVos. There's multiple people. Eric Prince, Betsy DeVos, and Eric Prince is hailed as this hero now. It's so interesting. So this is happening. This is not, uh, counterculture does not mean like the highest seats in the entire world of power and being able to legislate to suppress everyone below you. That's not counterculture. I think these people need to look up like basic dictionary definitions and understand what the hell that actually means, but... Very bizarre. Yeah, and it's a really, it's like a blanket statement made that's really only talking about like social issues yeah. mainly. Like, and, uh, you know, they make it, but it's like all these other issues on the left, um, you know, are still strongly defined what I, you know, think of as when I think of being left, like anti imperialism and things like that. And these are issues that have just gone by the wayside, um, you know, and the alt right's not anti imperialist. The, you know, it, and the liberals aren't either. Uh, Democrats aren't. So it really does depend on the le- like. That's who has to be pushing this right now. And I would even encourage some solidarity with you know, you know, there are still people out there who are sort of like lefties and partly libertarians. Like mm-hmm. I know that's hard to believe because um, you know I've even seen Antifa trying to conflate libertarianism with neo Nazism. So it's but I I would encourage you know trying to, you know, build some consensus on anti-imperialism with other people who share that view. Because at a, at a certain point, you know, Trump, I mean, and he already is, this, Trump is not compatible with an anti-imperialist point of view. <laughs> and neither is Hillary Clinton, really. When, oh, when you God, go down no. that road, you're going to start disliking probably every mainstream candidate that runs. Um, but you know, Abby and I have been on in that boat for a while. So, and he's not even non-interventionism. Um, <laughs> like, no, exactly. And like Glenn Greenwald wrote that article about how Trump is not, he's, he's not anti-war. He's anti-interventionism. And like, I just don't think that that's like a necessary thing to come out and really declare because Trump is so all over the place. We have no idea what the hell he really thinks. He blows with a goddamn wind. It's such a baby, empty vessel. He's just like, sh- like whatever, whoever's occupying his brain at the time, that's who Trump is and where he'll go. So I just feel like that's unnecessary. Um, and plus this whole Syria, you know, flip maybe, maybe could mean that he will want regime change in Syria. So I just think that, you know, it's too early to really 
um, make such statements and arguments surrounding his foreign policy. He he's, he's doesn't have an ideology. <laughs> and it's like, what's really the difference? It's like, in some ways, like the neocon, at least on paper, like their pretend vision of like democratizing countries after we've invaded them and, and murdered a bunch of people there, like that's actually in some ways more compassionate than the neo-colonial like we're just going to go in there bomb them kill a bunch of people and then just like steal their oil (laughs) and then what just leave after we've stolen their oil i mean not saying that either one of those are good they're both horrible but which one is actually like a less compassionate one like at least one of them includes some element of rebuilding and i'm not saying i want that no, it's branded as that yeah that's why me. it's branded but like, as like humanitarian, the big stick yeah. just like i'm gonna fucking take their oil like i'm gonna just gonna kill them and then let them kill each other but then like take their oil it's like i mean it's that's i, I just don't understand how one or of the other is preferable or how you could say that one of them's interventionist and one of them isn't i mean it doesn't really matter he's he's killing civilians in mass drone strikes have gone up 400 percent um you know it's it just doesn't uh, this person's a disgusting war criminal already and he hasn't even been and what else is he doing in secret right now like if trump if bush was able to get away with all this shit in secret that we didn't know about until you know some in some instances like decades later almost uh then what is trump doing now like is he writing secret memos or sort of you know, Pat, he already made an announcement that he's okay with waterboarding, but he's like, General Mattis like doesn't agree with me. I mean, what does that signal to all these other people operating in the in the field that the president himself says he's okay with it, but like that we're not going to do it? I mean, that just sends a bizarre mixed message. It's almost like a wink and a nod kind of a thing. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just it's yeah. There's there's so many fucked up things you could be doing right now that we're just focusing on the wrong things about. We're missing. Yeah, and so. and really quickly, just if going back to what has he been doing while everyone's talking about Russia? Well, guess what? We're paying for the wall, guys. Even though there is a giant border wall already constructed, almost the entirety of the the border. I guess it's going to be bigger. I guess he's going to make sure it's across the whole border, even though where there isn't a wall, it's like a natural border because there's mountains and stuff. So <laughs> so we're going to pay for this border wall. I guess Mexico ain't going to pay for it now, Ma. Um, he, you know, multi-billion dollars, by the way. And, and, and here's woke capitalism for you. Some like designer firm in San Francisco is like, we want to make a green wall. Like, let's make a green yeah. sustainable wall. It's like, yeah, great idea, guys. Good efforts. Let's really focus on it's where this matters now. It's never going to be now. finished. Yeah. It, even if he was in pre, uh, in the office for eight years, there's, they're never going to be able yeah. to finish something of that magnitude. And during that Matt Drudge interview, it was the most hilarious thing ever was he's like, and I have a, uh, he's like, I'm going to say this for the first time here. Trump's going to lay that first brick. I'm uh, telling you right now, Trump's going to lay, Trump's going to be there and lay that first brick. Abby. Yeah, he's going to cut it with Isn't a that, giant cartoon scissors too. the, the, the that's ribbon. That's the shit Matt Drudge is like excited. Like it just gives you some sort of like weird insight into what his he's focus is. He's like a child. Is. I mean, he's like the king of like internet tabloid media. Wow. In a way. I mean, and if the Trump administration Brooke's isn't going to do bro. that, they should. Because conservative morons will fucking love that PR Yeah, stunt. did you see Milo Yiannopoulos, the washed up hate, hate monger? Um he, he even like sells shirts being like border construction ink. And he's like taking all these like 
photos like saying like let's go build the wall like this it's just like embarrassing dude jesus um and so there's 5000 more border patrol agents and ice i'm sorry 10000 more ice agents 5000 more border patrol agents there's already an insane amount of border patrol and ice agents in this country all right and these are how many more are going to be hired on top of that there's arrests and raids going on all over the place churches hospitals. I even heard an L super, um, being in LA, I'm hearing this a lot more because of course the giant Latino community here, people are terrified. My friend's mom actually just fled. She just like went to Mexico because she was like, I don't want to be deported. I'm just going to like leave. She's been in this country for like 10 years. Um, undocumented immigrants actually are a staple to this economy. Um, they do jobs that literally no one else does. So yeah, it's really crazy to hear that domestic abuse reports have dramatically dropped because people are living in sheer terror. They can't report crimes. They can't go to the police. They are absolutely living in fear of their life that they will be deported. Um, and, and yes, of course, Obama deported more people than any other president combined. But Trump is ramping this shit up so hard. Um, it's nuts. Like, like to actually remove people from hospital beds it's it's just mind-blowing to me how inhumane that is. Um, and then, of course, there was that giant disaster of the Obamacare. What the hell? And what's amazing about this is that people have, have actually spun this to make it seem like Trump planned this. Oh, great. He got Paul Ryan out. He exposed Paul Ryan for being such a shill. This was Paul. This was really Ryan care. No, dude, this was Trump's whole baby, bro. This was his one thing that he said in every speech. He's going to repeal Obamacare, repeal Obamacare. Republicans had how many years? They initiated to try to repeal Obamacare how many times? And they didn't have a, a plan to replace it. Like their plan was so bad that no one signed on to it. And now it's just a giant blunder. Um, the healthcare thing is such a debacle. But yeah, I mean, that was insane too. How much of a failure that was, wasn't it? Yeah, then they just like completely deflected and acted like Trump blamed the Democrats and uh, the Republicans, but then also did that really dumb, obvious thing uh, where he told people to tune in to Judge Janine, whatever her name is, on Fox News. Oh my God. He's like, tune in. He's like, tune in, special broadcast on Judge Janine tonight at 8 p.m. And the show opened with her demanding that Paul Ryan <laughs> resign. What? And it was like, Oh, so basically you just called like the, the most fucking retarded, like Nancy Grace hybrid with some kind of like crazy old um jewish grandmother i don't even know how you would describe this lady she's one of the most yeah, she's ridiculous nuts. fox news personalities you've seen her yeah, show she's right nuts. So, and trump clearly coordinated some kind of like weird attack on paul ryan you know whether he, whether he tried to sabotage trump or not that's the whole accusation that paul ryan is collaborating with Reince, i mean Reince prebus and you know to get bannon out and 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 they're secretly back channeling you know communication with mccain and lindsey graham this is all the stuff you hear on Infowars these days that roger stone feeds alex jones roger stone's even saying that jared kushner is trying to undermine trump now that he's secretly working with um like people trying to invade Syria or something. I don't know the exact details, but Jared Kushner's like in Iraq right now. Um, yeah. So it's just, it's, and they're just continually making excuses. No matter what he does, no matter how he fails, they're just going to react and make some kind of weird three dimensional chess sounding 
kind of excuse. And at this point, even you and I were kind of like, maybe he is playing some kind of like, you know, strategy, long-term thing, you know, complex. Like I even thought Trump was doing some three-dimensional chess shit at first. And now I'm just like, no, he really, he really is flailing and he does not understand how to just like do basic governing. Right. He didn't even bother to like learn how to get a, launch a bill out and then get support for it. So that's like shocking. Yeah. You know, you'd think this businessman reality TV show host would stop what, trying to watch coverage of himself on TV and tweet um, and actually like learn how, like get a consultant to teach him how these things are done. It's just amazing that he's not even bothering to do the basic stuff like that. So I, I'm just shocked. Oh, totally. And, and, um, you know, last Sunday and yes, of course, if you're president, you, you know, you're, you, you can take vacation, you can take uh, time off, but Trump has taken so much time off. Like all he does is golf and vacation. It's like, who is actually running the shit, bro? And on Sunday he tweeted for like, literally, he like just live tweeted Fox news for like five hours. And all these people are just mm-hmm. like, wow, I'm glad that you, that the president of the United States has actually vast time, like way more time for recreational activities and just watching TV than anyone else that I know. Everyone else has to work mm-hmm. three jobs to survive, but the president can just sit on his fat ass and tweet, live tweet Fox. Must be nice. Yeah, even Michael Savage like was saying that he doesn't want him to tweet as much. <laughs> and I, it almost seemed like Drudge didn't... I know, sorry I keep bringing this up, but it, like I really recommend people listen to it because it is a fascinating example of two people who had an enormous amount of influence getting Trump elected distancing themselves from him and then also suggesting what he should do next and drudge was like acting like he i don't even think drudge goes on twitter he probably doesn't even like read about his tweets or anything he like has some kind of weird vendetta against twitter Mm. um but yeah michael savage wanted him to stop tweeting so i think he's once trump sees that support waning um, he might change course, course correction in some way, but it just seems like his ego is just too big, even for right. that basic. He already should have sensed a course correction earlier on. I mean, even just to reach across the aisle a little bit, you know? Yeah. Um, and he's not even doing that. It just, just really does seem really sloppy, like and weird. Yeah. And, um, and everyone that he's appointing is, it's like crazier than the Bush administration because, you know, the Clean Water Act, the Clean Air Act, we used to laugh about how Orwellian all of these bills were and how, you know, Condoleezza Rice is appointed to run, you know, to help run foreign policy, yet she was working for Exxon too. But like now we actually have the CEO running foreign policy. So it's like all these veneers are lifted. But another just shocking appointee that I found out through um, you posting it, actually, Lee Fang on The Intercept reporting Scott Gottlieb, who was also that that Nazi named Gottlieb. Remember the guy in the MK Ultra tests? Yeah. Or not Nazi guy, but the MK Ultra stuff. Um, anyway, this guy, Scott Gottlieb, totally unrelated to what I just said, is basically picked by Trump to lead the FDA. Who is this guy? Well, he works essentially for the pharmaceutical industry. He's made $45,000 in speaking fees from firms that's especially like just th- that is what they do. They manufacture and distribute opioids. Um, three of these companies ship large shipments of prescription painkillers to West Virginia and provide the bulk of 780 million prescription pills sent to pharmacies in the state. People who don't know about West Virginia, it's like a loophole. Um, it's where a lot of people go to get 
prescriptions filled out because you can go to multiple different doctor's offices and you don't have like a record. It's like different than any other state. So, so they don't give a shit. They're shipping them right straight to West Virginia, fueling this opiate um, epidemic where people are actually dying more from opioid overdoses than they are from car crashes. Like it is really, really bad. And this, I didn't even know about this. And, and these people are benefiting vastly from it. And the main dude, guess who <laughs> he's going to be running the FDA. Like it just gets crazier and crazier. He, he made more than $3 million um, just doing speaking fees for these pharmaceutical companies, consulting arrangement with drug companies, board memberships, and the investment firms. So it's, it's just nuts. I just don't understand um, where the where people distinguish between the globalists and these people, the quote unquote globalists. Right. Like, at what point does an oligarch or some kind of CEO of a corporation or someone like Rex Tillerson um, become a globalist? You have to be a, um, a Rothschild or Rockefeller, Robbie. But some, but somehow all these Democrats are globalists. Oh, right. Anyone who's like left leaning, who's an oligarch, is a globalist. But somehow uh, Robert Mercer. Rex Tillerson, um, all these like you know the the Koch brothers, they're they're not globalists. No, I mean I just don't understand what the difference is. So like if you believe in like do we are they saying that those people like believe in American nationalism at the same time that they're like oligarchs, so they're not globalists? Because how do we know that they aren't? I mean that they really do. It's just weird to me that that's never. You know, like they just, it's very selective. Is basically oh yeah, what of I'm course. Saying. Yeah, no, it is really um, selective how they, like the defense of just some billionaires, but just blaming all the world's problems on other billionaires. That's weird. Yeah. And I just wanted to mention this really quick. Um, it was a funny thing I noticed. I'm, I'm editing together clips right now for part four of a very heavy agenda. And there was a second movie that Alex Jones made about Bohemian Grove where he actually got all this footage taken inside the Grove by an employee who worked there and who secretly sent it to Alex Jones. And it's actually like really interesting footage of this, you know, basically an elite camp, um, camping private giant um, forest area in Northern California where all these elites go, um, you know, corporate CEOs, people in government go there. It's a men's only club. And, um, you know, they just this amazing footage that was taken. And then in the movie, there's a part when you see the, whoever's holding the camera driving on like a golf cart, going past hundreds of old men wearing polo shirts and shorts. And all of a sudden the camera just speeds up to the point where you cannot make out anybody's face. Weird. So Alex Jones actually alters the footage in his movie to hide all these people's faces. And I was thinking, Wait, so is Alex Jones like a phony? Was he even a phony back then where he was like acting like he was exposing these elites and taking pictures through the windshields when people would drive into Bilderberg? Yet he sped up the footage. So you literally cannot make out like 200 old men's faces where if he didn't speed it up, you probably could pause each frame and kind of see who That's they are. Interesting. It's really bizarre. Well, I just um, thought of something when you were saying that the whole Bilderberg and CFR obsession is kind of with that globalist thing. It's like, why obsess over these two think tanks when they're just two of many, many think tanks based in the U.S. that are doing the exact same thing, writing policy exactly. prescriptions for, for regime changes. But these two are focused on why? Why? 
it's it's because it's by design. I was actually going to mention this earlier when you were talking about North Korea. There's this sort of right wing conspiracy version of the North Korea story, where it's like the Clintons and the Democrats allowed the technology and the you know the sanctions to be lifted in North Korea for them to build nuclear. Oh weapons. my God! It's like the like reverse. This is Bill Clinton's fault. <laughs> what? It's like the reverse of what I said. They're like that was bad. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and but it, but it's so fascinating because. If I mean, it almost seems like the alt right is actually more manipulative than Trump's actual campaign rhetoric. Because if you remember, Trump was like destroying the Bush family, going after Bush constantly for Iraq. That's not an alt right thing. That's really not. And and notice how they skip over Rumsfeld sitting on the board of ABB, which sold nuclear power plant um, technology to North Korea in the year two thousand. That's when he sat on the board of this corporation. And yet Rumsfeld is just omitted from that storyline when the right wing talks about it. You know, it's like, actually, if you really want to get real, probably there was a lot of people on both sides of the political spectrum who allow, who greased the skids for this, whether to make money or, you know, or to partly to blame. Yeah. So it's just, um, it's, it, I would just find that interesting that like, there really isn't very much Bush bashing on the alt-right at all. Like, if you really look for it, like, Trump did more of it, in you know, in terms of the proportion to his other rhetoric than anybody on the alt-right does. Um, they just act like the Iraq war was a disaster and a mistake. Right, yep. It which was, is basically what everybody says. Yep, it was says. the dumb I mean, war. And, and again, like, yeah. and you can't argue with these people, Robbie. Like, remember how I was saying that George Soros isn't even in the top eight richest people? Like, I'm looking right now, Bill Gates... Um, Armancio Ortega, Warren Buffett, Carlos Slim, Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg, Larry Ellison, and Michael Bloomberg. It's interesting that two of those people are like Silicon Valley billionaires. But when you, when well, Larry you, Ellison is mm-hmm. is very right wing. Yeah, when you um, bring so they'll they'll never mention yeah, him. Yeah, no, no. When you bring this up, they'll say, "Oh, that's just because their wealth isn't recorded." It's like, "Oh, the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds and George Soros." Like it's like hidden. Like they they literally create a conspiracy to to explain why like that isn't documented or whatever like oh no those people are actually well, the most powerful people in the world you just won't see that from the liberal media but it's like well that's what? hilarious you say that because that also points to the fact that the conspiracies of the democrats and the people who believe all these russia's conspiracies aren't too different from those because putin's not in the top five right i thought putin was supposed to be like the most rich richest person in the world because he had all this hidden trillions of dollars hiding somewhere. you're totally right robbie you'll see these conspiracies (laughs) manufactured from the liberal um, msm all the time whether it be hugo chavez or putin or other people who are like, you know, the, the Gaddafis and the Saddams, they'll, they'll, they'll basically take the wealth that was nationalized. Like when Saddam nationalized the oil, when Hugo Chavez nationalized the oil, they literally claim that that's like just personal wealth that was robbed and like just put into their bank account. Like literally, like these numbers are just so insane. So you're totally right. Like in that respect, they do the exact same thing. So you know what? I actually can totally see that because they make these outrageous claims about people they don't like. Um, yet, you know, yet they'll, they'll basically debunk themselves by coming out with an article like this and saying, no, here's actually on paper, the people who have the most money. Yet we're going to make all these outrageous claims about Putin being a billionaire. You know, it's nuts. Mm -hmm. And that takes us to, um, Mike Cernovich appearing on 60 minutes. Um, because if you actually want to, you know, stomach watching him on 60 minutes um it's really fascinating because first of all they elevated this guy who 
doesn't even know how to spell the word masturbate. He thinks the word is masturbate. Um, and he used to tweet about how masturbation makes you, if you masturbate, you lose your like masculinity. And like, if you don't masturbate, um, you build up like this primal feeling that makes you more like acute and focused and all this shit. Um, so this guy appeared on 60 minutes after the mainstream media did its best to elevate the alt-right to mainstream success, which I think they did. I mean, I have a theory about that. I can, we'll talk about later with the YouTube thing. Um, that they're doing that because they want to basically censor the alt-right and then censor a lot of other radical politics at the same time. Be like, look, we had to censor parts of the internet because the alt-right's like so anti-Semitic or, you know, whatever. But anyways, if you watch this Cernovich interview, he pretty much says exactly what you just said, Abby, about Hillary Clinton's health. The guy is like, why did you release this fake news about Hillary Clinton having Parkinson's? It's fake news. And, and Cernovich is like, no, it's not. It's real news. Mm -hmm. And the guy was like, no, they said she had pneumonia when she passed out. And he's like, who said that? And 60 Minutes guy's like, Hillary's campaign. And he's and Mike Cernovich is like, but Hillary's campaign lies. And then the guy's like, but you said she had Parkinson's. And he's like, I don't know that she didn't have Parkinson's. Right. Like, you, like right. she lied. Like, her campaign lies. Right. They said she was healthy. So it's like, even this stupid motherfucker is savvy enough, and I gotta give him credit, as dumb as he is, that he's thinks the word is masturbate. This is from 2004. He was tweeting about masturbation. I am not Multiple joking. Times. Look it up Multiple for yourself. Times. He is savvy enough. A guy that fucking retarded is picking up on this very basic dueling realities concept. It, the truth no longer matters because the establishment has lied so much that you can't, you can just create an alternate, alternate narrative. And in the case of the alt-right, it's always somehow this more partisan narrative where somehow Rumsfeld is eliminated from the storyline about North Korea getting nukes. It's the Democrats let them have right. it, you know? So it's, 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 it's that. So yeah, no, totally. I don't know if you want to talk no, about I Cernovich mean, anymore. I mean, but. yeah, I don't really want to talk about him that much. I will just say that he is, there's something mentally off about him. Not only is he a, a, essentially a rapist, um, he basically came to power being what he calls falsely accused of rape. So that's like his claim to fame is basically raping some woman, um, allegedly, and him denying it and going through this big battle where he was like a hero to the pickup artistry community. And he has all... And he, mm -hmm. he claims to be a lawyer who like... Is, was playing the role, dual role of being like a lawyer and like citizen journalist at the same time. Yeah, so this is the danger. Kind of like Charles Johnson-ish. Yep, this is the danger of elevating psychotic um, people like this who just have literally nothing else in their life other than a bizarre Twitter following of like eggs and frogs is that it doesn't matter if you're trying to debunk them. This is what the alt-right does. They thrive on negative attention um, and so 60 Minutes inviting this guy on and actually validating him to the point where you're giving him an interview on national television, um, which we would never be invited to do. Um, but of course, they thought, oh, we're going to trick them. We're going to troll them. Just like, just like we, we thought that we were lambasting Trump. Guess where that got you? Every time you put these <laughs> assholes on TV, millions of more people are going to follow them because that's how many crazy people there are in this fucking country. It doesn't matter if the majority of people see Mike Cernovich and think he's a disgusting piece of shit. 
Some people are going to like him. He's going to get new followers every time he's promoted on a mainstream platform. I don't understand what the hell these people are thinking because you're right. He actually did come up on that interview and make the 60 Minutes guy look dumb. Uh, And then what happened after that? Kellyanne Conway promotes it. Donald Trump Jr. says he deserves a Pulitzer Prize. Um, Here's a tweet that he made last year. Mike Cernovich, today we have a moment of silence for Trayvon Martin's rape victims. Just kidding. He got got before he was able to rape anyone. Um, so for someone who's, you know, such a rape, like someone who like has come out for, for people who've been falsely accused of rape, he seems to like talk enormously about rape, about fucking women, about abusing women, about pulling your dick out and jerking off if a woman won't fuck you when you're in a car with her. Um, extremely rapey, creepy stuff that this guy is involved in. And somehow he's a leader of the alt-right and put on TV. Very fascinating. Yeah, and it's it's worth mentioning that he, he's one of the guys that was the first to say that they were using coded words in the Podesta emails led led to Pizzagate. Um, and, he, and his following sort of made, propelled that. Um, you know, I don't think he was the one who first said it, but he was like one of the first bigger people who said it. Um, but... Uh, what was I just going to say? Oh, yeah. During the Jeffrey Epstein, one of the civil lawsuits against Jeffrey Epstein, the guy who, you know, runs that Lolita Island, like, apparent, like, where he has, like, teen prostitutes um, that he pimps out to different, you know, rich elitists. Um, that guy uh, got sued um, by several people who claimed they were either sexually assaulted by him or, you know, one one girl in particular said that she was a sex slave of his um, from the ages of like 16 to 19 or something. Uh, she, in this lawsuit, Alan Dershowitz was also yep. named. And Mike Cernovich tried to get disclosures, like because I guess once you file papers in court, like a lot of the stuff is publicly accessible if you ask for it, like specific documents, like any journalist could ask for it. So he was trying to use his lawyer credentials to claim that he was just like an independent lawyer, like trying to wanting to study the case. And then the basically the people who filed this lawsuit filed like papers with the courts laying out a case, making the case that Mike Cernovich was actually acting as a secret proxy for Alan Dershowitz. And he was just trying to create bad publicity as a dirty trick on behalf of Alan Dershowitz to ruin like the reputation of the people filing the case. Oh, my God. And there's a, they actually filed a document where they make a pretty good case for Mike Cernovich. That's the role he was playing. Um, he was actually acting as a proxy for Alan Dershowitz. And then later, Alan Dershowitz appeared in Mike Cernovich's movie Silenced, which is the narrative of that documentary, is it's about how all these people, 99% of them happen to be like right-wing or alt-right people, are being censored by liberals. Um, he never finds anybody who's you know from the left who's being censored or just, you know, the left is just trying to censor the alt right or whatever. Dursowich was one um, of the guys. What a disgusting, disgusting human being. He was. He was the one who basically went out there on a rampage against Keith Ellison, saying that he was like a anti-Semitic. What a oh god! I hate him so much. He's on TV yeah. all the time. I can't believe he was mm-hmm. working with Cernovich. Can I read you a couple more of these tweets from Cernovich so people can really understand how disgusting he is? Or were you in? The, did you have mm-hmm. anything else to say about Dursowich? No, I mean. Yeah, I don't. I don't have the one up in front of me about where he took his dick out, like in the backseat well, of the car. Or whatever, here's like. here's the wor- here's what's worse. Ready? In 2012, when's the last time women organized to support a men's rights issue? Stopping fags. Who cares about breast cancer and rape? Not me. 
Here's another one. Have you guys ever tried raping a girl without using force? Try it. It's basically impossible. Date rape does not exist. Here's another one. A whore will let her friend ruin your life with a false rapes case. So why should I care when women are raped? Um, here's another one. You can't rape the willing. And here's another one. A woman over 40 is indistinguishable from a tranny. Wow, sounds like a nice guy. Give him a, give him a Pulitzer. Weird. Well, I guess, I mean, these people seem to thrive on negative attention, as yeah. you were saying. And it's like, it's basically just like a less funny version of like Gavin McGinnis or right, something. Right, like a way like, less funny version. Yeah, at least, like, I was just thinking this the other day, like, the way Paul Joseph Watson has dialed up his, like, weird fake, like, oh, like, yeah. he sounds like Robin Leach from <laughs> Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Now, what the fuck happened to you, Paul? You should sound like a normal guy. <laughs> Your video about Liz Wall from two years ago is just like, hello, this is Paul Joseph Watson yeah. reporting. You know, it's like super chill. And then now it's like, it's Paul Joseph Watson <laughs> reporting for InfoWars. These social justice warriors. It's like, what the fuck is going <laughs> on, dude? Your voice is just totally different. It makes Gavin McGinnis look like a normal, authentic person in comparison. Right. Like, I was just thinking how, I mean, but anyways, like, it just... <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to. We shouldn't talk about the all right too much more, but we should probably move on to the the, the internet censorship yes. stuff because that does sort of relate to how the alt right is in some way. Like, at you know, they're they're taking the most quote unquote heat for this. Well, but I almost think it's by design. Yeah, it, it, in and this is way, again but, going back to the whole the liberals would rather rather have these people in power than even give any credibility at all or credence to leftists or or independent journalists who are really covering the real issues case in point, point. case in or point, they exactly. try to conflate yeah, them exactly Abby. so this whole like war on fake news right all so youtube and facebook and twitter all knocking down on fake news this stupid weaponized term that we just handed over to trump well guess who's being punished liberals and leftists online who are now these independent content content creators are being totally screwed talk about it well yeah i mean first i'll just talk about it in a in what the earliest iteration of this was because already we already know if you pay attention to like more right-wing fringe media so you know drudge being all the way the most credible version of that Breitbart, Infowars, and then you go down the list, Gateway Pundit, we already know that a lot of their narratives are false or they omit things on purpose. They're very tabloidy, and they've always been like that. So they started throwing around this term fake news. Um, Hillary Clinton did. Obama was obsessed with the concept, apparently, right after the weekend after the election. The media started deploying the term, acting like fake news interfered with the election. But they weren't just saying, like, tabloidy right-wing media they were also lumping in like left-wing media outlets um, in these bizarre attempts to smear. Counterpunch, truth, dig. Yeah, any, yeah, any, any right-wing, I mean, sorry, any left-wing media outlet that was actually like really solid and good was, was in this list. And um, so that was the, almost like the macro version of it. Like what the, when, when this started, like this sort of, um, you know, conflating, there's all this fake news and anything that sort of really challenges the narrative um, is fake news now. Um, so, but you were talking about the content creation aspect of it, which is happening now where a lot of these independent content creators, especially people on YouTube, um, like secular talk, 
there's a lot of independent content creators on YouTube who don't have, who aren't, you know, part of TYT or they have their own platforms who make most of their money based on monetized YouTube videos. And you could think whatever you want about advertising on YouTube. I mean, I think advertising on YouTube sucks. I don't like watching ads on YouTube. That's why I use Adblock, uh, which blocks pretty much any advertising that you see on YouTube. Um, but most of these people uh, who do this, who have a lot of YouTube subscribers, I'm talking about like over you know, 100,000, 500,000, a million YouTube subscribers, they actually make a decent income through monetized YouTube videos. After this fake news scare sort of swept around the media um it became this uh this means to change all these companies policies now where they now have like either fake news algorithms that filter out quote-unquote fake news or they have different people on a board determining and trying to figure out ways to tackle quote-unquote fake news on their platforms and youtube did it in the crazy way by basically demonetizing any videos that are political by like anyone independent, essentially like across the board. Um, and at first it was like a lot of the alt-right people who were noticing their videos being demonetized. Um, so back to what I was saying earlier is I think the reason why the mainstream media and places like Buzzfeed and all these little millennial outlets brought the alt-right so much attention is so that when these crackdowns happen, there'll be less sympathy right. for the people yep. who are being cracked down right. on. Because it'll be like, well, we had, well, of course you have to censor the alt right. Of course you have to censor Pizzagate. Because, I mean, let's face it, like Pizzagate, the conspiracy theory, wild goose chase, bullshit conspiracy theory, almost led to people dying. Some guy went into right. the restaurant with a gun. I mean, so that's actually a really great way to propagandize people into accepting this kind of internet censorship and this is i think this is just the very start of it no you're totally i mean right. secular talk you're totally right sec secular talk lost i think it was something like 80 percent of their revenue so now you know he should have had a patreon account probably already going but he just started one and that's how he's gonna have to um you know gain the same income he was generating through youtube now but if that's what they're doing already across the board um, they're not going to make a distinction between like conspiracy friendly alternative media and and like alt right anti feminist like red pill people or any of those people. They're not going to make a distinction. To them, it's the same thing. Um, so I'm actually surprised Russia Today and even Telesur are still on YouTube. Like that they their accounts haven't been frozen. I mean. Does RT even run ads on their videos? Oh, yeah, like, RT does run ads. Telesaur doesn't, which could be why. And yeah, I mean, RT could very well be affected by this. It, it is so outrageous that people are actually not having sympathy for this, um, you know, especially coming from like really grassroots citizen journalism stuff where we, I, I never monetize my videos, but I could completely see that that really is one of the only avenues that that independent media people have to make a living off of telling news. And, and one really interesting thing about this crackdown is it only applies to news and politics. And I think Kevin, um, or I'm sorry, Kyle Kalinske said that it was like also affected people who have like religious, because um, their, their whole thing is like, oh, we're cracking on like ISIS videos too. But it's like, even if you just have ISIS as a tag, it can demonetize you. So it's really odd that it only targets like news and politics out of everything. Mm-hmm. 
You know, what about Mark yeah. Dice's I mean, all- crazy, like, Illuminati, like, Rihanna's a devil and, like, sacrificing children. Well, like, what? I mean, so it's only going after people who are just talking about current events. It's really crazy. Yeah. And I mean, and then on one hand, I could be like, well, I could understand why YouTube would pull down maybe, like, a really nuts Mark Dice video where he calls, like, Miley Cyrus, like, a dirty satanic <laughs> slut, you know, like, a 200 times in a row. I could understand that. But at the same time, unfortunately because of my position on free speech and like the way that these private companies you know basically have gotten people to buy into them to this idea of free speech i will fight for the right of someone like him to maintain like an account on youtube or alex jones this is the problem um and and i think pizzagate taking the bait of that um was a huge mistake um for a lot of those people and but at the same time I think people should have the right to fucking talk about Pizzagate, post as many yeah, videos exactly, as you want about exactly. it. So, and, and Reddit, a giant platform, which is one of the most free platforms, they literally banned the term. What? You can't even, you can't even post about it and your post will be taken down. I don't know if they're actually still imposing this policy, but the CEO of Reddit was so upset by Pizzagate that he went onto posts that people were writing about Pizzagate and would like write things in edit in the middle of their posts and just like make fun of them in their post. Like he would, he would like override command their account. Yeah, this this is not the way to deal with this issue at all. Censorship and conflating all of these things together is the opposite because it's just going to breed more distrust. It's going to breed more of this ideology and reactionary politics and people distrusting like all they see in the mainstream. It is so toxic and bad. I cannot stress that enough. And plus it targets people like us. Um, it, it is so bad that people cannot see the slippery slope that this is going. And this is just the first of it, you guys. I mean, if this could happen in such a sweeping wave like this, God, it's scary to think of what they can do. I mean, this is what we've been saying all along, that you should never hedge your bets on one platform. Like, we knew this whole time that Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, like, they could pull anything at any given time to censor vast swaths of people. So, I, I, yeah, I guess I'm not too surprised. I am surprised that it happened so quickly, but it really shows you that, like, we cannot trust these corporations to at least at least don't put all of your content on one platform and and put all of your you know all of your faith in that because that could disappear immediately so you have to do the patreon stuff you you have to build that audience and and stretch it across different mediums it sucks that we in this day and age of like commercialism that they like brand ourselves it's like we all have our own brand oh you just support me support me it's like unfortunately that's what capitalism and this corporatocracy has done to us where we're now literally forced to do this not because we want to but it's because the system has forced us into these like compartmentalized brands that we now have to have a base of support because we have no support whatsoever from from the system at all at all and i don't think i mean i can understand why somebody would be depending on a revenue stream from youtube but i think it's wise to you know cover all bases you never know when these things will be seen as like controversial enough that they can't, you know, they can't allow them anymore. I mean, that's the unfortunate thing, you know, with a lot of this Russia hysteria um, is it's, it's basically like, you know, you even talk about fracking uh, apparently, and that's Russian mm-hmm. propaganda now. Um, so it's, yeah, it's just really, really, 
um, I think, and even any, I mean, there's a lot of other just small examples of it. Like um, I saw an article recently where there is a, like a meetup website for like sexual fetishes called FetLife mm-hmm. that recently lost thousands of subscribers because um, you can like exchange videos and like monetize your own like uploads of your own like porn videos on there. And it's like a social network at the same time. Um, so it's like more like accountable, you know, like people who upload videos of themselves, like they like have their, you know, they have to like type in your address and upload an ID and all that stuff. Um, but the credit card companies that were like doing the company's processing for a lot of these transactions, uh, like for social like controversy, controversy reasons, they like stopped allowing processing of their credit card, like comp- like the company just stopped allowing it. And instead of FetLife, you know, switching to a different processing company, they couldn't afford to do it. So they just had to lose a bunch of revenue. Um, so this is what happens. Like at any time, you never know if these like incredible new things that we have access to on the, because mostly because of the internet, like all this, this variety of opinion and, and like, you know, this great, um, uh, just how much access we have to like alternative media now um it, it's possible it wasn't just wasn't gonna last i mean i don't know i mean it, it sounds almost like you know the big brother conspiracy but i think it's it's partly true that sort of the establishment and the people in power um they're gonna need to crack down more on what the freedoms that we have now they're just going to no absolutely to and to maintain power. and and with trump in power it's not only the sympathy from liberals to crack down on alt-right but it's also the sympathy for alt-right people to crack down on on liberals and leftists because that's for some reason the enemy to them where all of a sudden during the bush and obama administration i thought we were making such leeway on bridging together this divide, talking about how both parties are totally bought and paid for, how it's a complete distraction, divide and conquer, where all of a sudden it's gone back to such a reactionary flip that now liberals and leftists are the complete enemy and destroying everything, the cultural Marxism, and all of a sudden, we're just left in the dust. It's like, what happened, guys? We thought that we were bridging this. We thought that we were fighting the establishment. Both parties, remember? Remember? So we're in for a long road ahead um, and a lot of bullshit and disinformation to wade through on a daily basis. It is like wading through a swamp and, and Trump's filling it real quick with toxic sludge. I, I, we've totally forgot to mention a r- really insane story that I feel like we have to just say really quickly. With all these yeah, ISIS attacks all over the world, it is so weird too to me that still ISIS has not carried out an attack here. Like... And I'm, and I'm not saying that because there, I think there's like a real threat in their sleeper cells. I'm just saying it is really interesting. Like obviously the spatial differences and like the, the fact that we're, we are a really isolated piece of land kind of far from where ISIS strongholds are that I think that we haven't seen this. But given what the U.S. empire has been doing, it is surprising to me that not more people have committed terrorism in America in the last 16 years. Years. However, the f- very first ISIS attack, so-called ISIS attack, right, on U.S. soil, remember that? In Garland, Texas, it was, it was the Draw Muhammad contest or whatever, where, like, this guy... Pamela Geller. Yep, the, and then that guy, um, whatever, I don't really actually know 
very here I'll, I'll I just found the article. So basically two ISIS quote unquote gunmen opened fire at the exhibit for Pamela Gellers. You know, they were likening her to the Selma MLK. She, apparently drawing the Prophet Muhammad is somehow um, as brave as, as the Selma march now, according to the, to the alt-right. So Pamela Geller said on that crazy draw the Prophet contest, the ISIS people apparently shot up. Um, I don't know if anyone died. Um, yeah, I guess people did die. I don't really remember because it, it happened so quickly. There's been so many horrible things that have happened since. But apparently what came out recently, according to 60 Minutes, and it's really interesting when you watch this because 60 Minutes doesn't even make the connection. Like, oh, this could have been completely manufactured by the FBI. They're just like, oh, it's really curious. They just keep asking these, these like rhetorical questions like, well, why was the FBI there? So it turns out that the FBI was completely central to this entire attack. Um, an undercover agent encouraged the shooter to, quote, tear up Texas. He was not only encouraging them, working with them for months, he was also physically present at the scene of the crime, like literally right be mere feet away from the shooters when they started shooting. Um, prior to this guy, a separate FBI informant was paid $132,000 to pretend for three years to be friends with the shooter. So what the fuck are we doing? You, you, you're doing a three-year op and you can't actually prevent the terrorism from happening? Huh, that's weird. So this whole thing, basically 1,500 hours of conversations with the FBI, with these guys. He's on the scene. He's right there when the shooting happens. Um, he tells him to tear up Texas. He doesn't stop it. Sound familiar? So it's weird that, you know, 60 Minutes will even go there and talk about how, like, macabre and weird this whole thing is, but still not be like, this was all completely staged and, like, why? For what? You know, so it's just interesting. Like, there's no bigger picture here. But, it, but yeah, that happened. Yeah, I mean, I still have questions about the Boston bombings and just the level of, like, you know, there was just so much knowledge that the FBI had about the, you know, the two brothers before, and then that, that Russian intelligence memo to the United States. Um, and then that guy was, was you know, shot and executed, Ibrahim Tadashev, remember? Yeah. And then just the weird, you know, the, the lockdown of the city of Boston, there was no copters allowed. Um, we didn't actually see what happened. They claimed that one of the brothers ran the other one over. I still have a lot of questions about that. I still have a lot of questions about how they were able to build such a powerful bomb with using a pressure cooker. We saw a real, completely believable version of that um, in New York City about eight months ago or so, where a guy who was like, you know, one of the, I think he ran like a convenience store or a fried chicken place actually out of New Jersey, I think, um, or or Queens or something like a part of New York that's like not like hugely popular. Uh, and he like made pressure cooker bombs and left them out on the sidewalk and stuff. And some of them went off and there was like minor injuries to people, um, at most. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that that was like some kind of false flag event or anything like that. I'm just saying that, um, in general, when you, when we're talking about all these ISIS attacks all over the world, and how now every attack pretty much... And if you remember, the Boston bombings happened before ISIS was really even mm -hmm. known about. I think they existed, but it wasn't an ISIS attack. We didn't call it that. We just called it sort of like a lone wolf, like self-radicalized terrorist attack here. Um, 
But now every attack that happens is just an ISIS attack as soon as ISIS takes credit for it. Like, that's really sad that that's all it takes for it to all of a sudden become this larger network of coordinated ISIS attacks. Mm -hmm. Um, ISIS has threatened tons of countries with terrorism. They make videos all the time. Mm -hmm. The media only reports, you know, when they kill someone in a new way, they haven't killed them before. You know, like if they burn someone in a cage versus drowning them in a cage, the media will report on it. But they release like 12 videos in between that that are like threatening Germany, threatening Russia. Um, so why, I mean, if all you have to do is just ISIS takes credit for it, um, or you, you know, you're inspired by ISIS online, like they're, they're just a brand. Um, they have a PR apparatus that like spreads their, you know, symbolism and all their memes around. Um, so I just don't understand why that's, people aren't more skeptical of just that side of it. Um, because at least during like Al- you know Al Qaeda and the post 9/11 era, um, it did seem like it did seem more obvious that they were trying to create this blanket theme that all these al- uh, terrorist attacks were Al Qaeda, you know, and even the insurgency in Iraq was Al Qaeda. You know, they conflate all the insurgency together. So, but now it just seems like everyone buys into this idea. Right. So. Yeah, it's just it's just know. another. I mean, I, it, it is the terror factory. It's that like ninety five percent of all quote unquote terrorist attacks or foiled attacks since nine eleven have been a hundred percent provoked, if not manufactured by the FBI. The question that I have is why the hell did this one go through? That's weird. So these are all just very glaring questions. There should be huge controversies. That call into question the entire um, agency of the FBI and what the hell are they doing and why um, to yeah, keep look this what they threat did during going. The, in the anthrax attacks, yeah. I mean, they, they, they did so many bizarre things. They even let Bruce Ivins, the guy they later pinned the attack on, um, consult them and help them on the investigation for like over three years, like working closely with him. He was with the FBI when they drained that... Um, that like giant swamp or lagoon right near Fort Detrick where they drain the entire thing. It costs the taxpayers like oh, millions of dollars to do. Um, so it's just, yeah, the FBI is just so fucking weird. Yeah. Um, and I even think the FBI was, you know, I even think people in the FBI were pushing out some of this Pizzagate bullshit too. Um, but that's a whole other <laughs> rabbit hole. Well, let's, let's <laughs> wrap it up. Um, so everyone check out, we just did a really crazy episode. We're, we're resurrecting our footage from um, Palestine, Israel to, to get that out there. Um, the one that we just did was the state of um, asylum seekers and also Ethiopian Jewish people in Israel. Very crazy. We went to a concentration camp on the border in the Negev desert and talked to um, asylum seekers there who are being held indefinitely. Um, and then we talked to Ethiopian Jewish people in Israel who are discriminated against. And it's just a really, really crazy episode. We go to this anti-refugee rally and talk to some, some people also. So definitely check that out. I'm also doing, and I did a whole interview with Tim Black about it too. You can check out on the Tim Black show. And I'm also doing a panel if anyone's in, um, the OSU area in Oregon on April 16th, check that out, check it out on my Twitter donate to us on Patreon. Um, Robbie, did you want to give a little shout out to all the amazing people who are helping the show go? Yes. Um, 
I promised I would read all of your names at the end. Um, every Patreon donor um, who is contributing to us right now, thank you very much for your contribution. Um, it's encouraged us to do even more episodes. Um, so, you know, if you have any comments about the way that we're doing it right now, we're processing it per episode um, instead of per month. Um, that's a little easier for us just because sometimes we don't, you know, release different amount of episodes per month, but it will never be more than four. If it is more than that, we'll, we'll, we'll make some announcement and let all of our patrons know. But if you have any, you know, comments or questions at all, please feel free to post on our Patreon page. You can, if you're a patron, you can actually comment, um, or send us messages directly. But, uh, I'm going to start, uh, by thanking all of you and read um, all of your names. Uh, thank you, Wolfgang Lang, Alan Bailey, Justin Perkins, John Spell, Sean Gels, uh, Michael Johnson, Robin, Chang Kwan, Daniel Anagnostis, Mark Aaron, Andrew. Some of these are only just first names, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> so I'm just, I'll, I'll just do the best mm -hmm. I can. Hyder Akon, um, Honey, That's Okay, Anonymous Pros and Joe's Podcast, mm -hmm. Landon Monroe, Reagan Cooper, Espen Kristoff, Anthony McGee, or sorry, Anthony McGee, LevelNews.org, Saba Ahmed, Charles Mahoney, Gareth White, Willem, Rob Sheldon, Alex Smith, Alex K, Jared Monteith, Daniel Aronoff, Gabe Patterson, John Whitford, Robert Shane, L.S., Alex Sadowski, Rick Hillebrand, Hillenbrand, <laughs> Remo Conscious, thanks Remo, shout Aww. out, Dark Alliance, Mike Traver, Mark Polakoff, Ferchina, B.F. Earl, and Jess Moore, thank you for contributing. Without your donation, um, we would be lost. We would not be doing this podcast <laughs> right now, that's for damn sure. <laughs> um, no, you've yeah. really, really inspired us all so much. Thank you so much, every one of you. You've really lit a fire under our asses to get this going because, you know, it, it, it's not only is it cathartic for us, but I know that it's probably cathartic for you guys too, to just have someone break this all down. Cause it seems like, I mean, I, it's just nuts. It's so overwhelming on a day-to-day -day basis. So if, you know, getting your support helps us get on top of our shit, get these things out there and, and building this community, building the real resistance. I hate all these words have just been co-opted and like marketed, you know, like I see the word revolution yep. and resistance, like everywhere I go, I'm just like, my God. Um, so everyone, thank you again for listening. Um, let us know what you think on SoundCloud. Uh, let us know what you think on social media. Check out my brother's movie, A Very Heavy Agenda. He's working on the fourth installment. It is kick ass. Get ready for some very exciting things coming up. Yes. And uh, check out Empire Files. And, um, and aren't you doing a talk coming up pretty soon yeah i just i just happening. said it yeah oh yeah two talks the one oh. on the panel that i gave the shout out for at the osu um on april 16th and then i'm giving one 
Oh God, I, I totally was wrong. That's April 11th, my bad. The April 16th one is in New Jersey okay. at a benefit for Palestine. So totally was wrong. Sorry about that. Check out my Facebook page and Twitter for the correct date and information for those events if you're in either New Jersey or Oregon in the next month. All right, you guys. Thanks so much for listening, Robbie. Peace out, and we'll catch up very soon. Thanks very much for listening, guys. Um, and yeah, just any questions or comments you have, leave them on the SoundCloud timeline. Um, or, or message us, or if you're a patron, just message us on Patreon. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.